0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the the lead pastor. Uh, We're in the middle of a series called Rooted, and as a church, we're studying Ephesians together, which is a book in the New Testament written to early Christians who are trying to figure out what it means for them to walk with God in the first century in the middle of a culture uh, that doesn't quite understand them. They don't quite know if Jesus is real. They don't quite know if these Christians are real, and there's a lot of confusion, And as you dig into the Scriptures, a lot of what you learn over time as you kind of soak it in is that things that were written in the past are really written for our encouragement today Uh, the perspectives and the principle and the truth that God gives uh, was not just given for a period of time and then lost or cut off. It's actually extended to us here and now. And so as we're digging into this book in the New Testament, it's really a book for all the churches that exist It's truth and perspective and principles and practices uh, that we need to apply as a church. And even more than that, for us to apply it as a church, it means that we actually need to to live by it uh, as individuals as well. Uh, Because for something to exist as a group, it needs to be true of us as individuals. Because individuals come together, they make up the group, and that reality is the case. And so I just want to recap where we've been so far, and you'll see kind of a summary slide Uh, we've spent three weeks, and today is the fourth week, and this is kind of the halfway point. We have four weeks after this uh, for the rest of this book that we're going to dig in together. And so we kicked off this series looking at what it means to be rooted in hope. And so the whole analogy of this series, as you'll see on the front of your program, is to be rooted, that is, to have roots that are, are digging deep, which help us to stand strong. And we're all rooted or we're all connected to something, so the question for all of us is, are we rooted in the right things? And the world has a number of things that we should be rooted in, whether that be success or money or certain relationships or status. But when you dig into the Scriptures and you get to know the God of the Bible, oftentimes you find that things that the world or culture or even our own experiences tell us to root ourselves to, it's not the same. And so we're challenged. How are we rooted to the right things and we kicked off the series looking at what it means to be rooted in hope. And we can be rooted in hope not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And it's a hope that's not dependent on us. But we all want hope. In fact, if I were to ask you this next week, what kind of a week would you want? It would probably be one filled with, with some hope and hopefulness and a sense of a light at the end of maybe a dark tunnel that you're walking through. That's what God made us for, for something hopeful, something meaningful. So that was the first week, and we, we looked at Ephesians chapter 1. The second week, we talked about what it means to be rooted in grace, that is to have grace from God that we can experience fully, again, not connected to our own works. And once we experience it, that we can actually extend grace to others. And we talked about the importance of grace, how we long for that as well. And we looked at the first part of Ephesians chapter 2, the first half. And then last week, we talked about being rooted in peace. So, so far, hope that we can find in Christ, grace that we can find in Christ, and then peace that we can find in Christ. And last week, we looked at the second half of chapter two of Ephesians, and the fact that in Christ, he has divided the hostility and the division that exists between him and us because of our sin. And he's also taking down the hostility That exists between each other in this world. And there's no shortage of division. There's no shortage of disunity, not just in our culture, not just in our family, but in the church as well. You can see it all across all sorts of churches in our country and throughout the world. And so we talked about how we can be rooted in peace so that actually we can experience a unity that you cannot create by any government, by any program, but you can only experience through the sacrifice made by Jesus. And so we've been talking like, how do we be a kind of church that's filled with that, filled with grace, filled with hope, and filled with peace? And today we're gonna talk about what it means to be rooted in purpose, to have a purpose from our life. And Paul has taken us on a journey, and he's like saying, listen, uh, you, you all have a treasure box that is, you, you've, you've opened in your life from the moment you're born, and you, you're hoping that this treasure box can be filled with something And we all go on a search to fill this treasure. And again, we look at it through maybe our accomplishments, maybe our achievements, how many friends that we have, all the success that we've achieved, the money in our bank account, our plans for the future, all of our dreams. And we begin to keep filling our treasure box and keep filling our treasure box. What Paul is saying is anything that you're doing that's by your own effort, even if it's worthwhile and even if it's noble, in the end, it just wears out. It diminishes and it fades because anything that we do connected to our own hands, it, it doesn't last. It doesn't last for eternity, for forever. And so Paul's saying, let, let, me, let me reconfigure your treasure box instead of success and your own works and your own achievements and your own status and your own dreams. Fill it with grace of Christ. Fill it with hope in Christ. Fill it with peace of Christ. And when you do that, your treasure box will be full And when your treasure box is full, you'll have real purpose. You're going to be living your life out of abundance of the things that God's given. And so if you've missed any of the sermons, you can catch up. We have a podcast, Ridgeview Church Fontana. You can find us on YouTube. Search that up. But the idea, is, Paul is saying, is like you can't miss this, Christians. You can't miss this, church. You need to know the fullness of the treasures that God's given you. Because when you do that and you experience it and you really know it, in a real way, experientially, how God's come through for you again and again and again, you're going to live a different type of life. And so today we're going to focus on the different type of life that we can live as people, as individuals, and then the different type of church we can be because we're filled with this purpose that's built on the foundation of peace and grace and hope. So what I want to do, if you have your illuminated scripture journal, if you haven't gotten this, it's not too late, I encourage you, this is a great way for you to read the book of Ephesians. Uh, it's just that book. It's got scriptures on one side and blank space for you to take notes. And so what I want to do is just read, and, and we're not even on the screen yet, but I just want to read the end of Ephesians uh, chapter 2 uh, so you can get kind of where we left off last week, okay? Again, he's talking about the peace. He's talking about the fact that the gospel, the good news, is not just For the Jews, Israelites, God's chosen people, Christ, the Messiah, has come for everyone. It's accessible to Jews and Gentiles alike. They can all become God's people as they turn to Christ, as they admit their sin to Christ, as they ask their forgiveness from Christ, and as they make him their leader. They can all be united under the same God. And so Paul continues um, in chapter 2 towards the end And he says, and he came, this is verse 17 again, it's not on the screen, so you're just going to have to listen or read along if you have it. This is page 12 if you're looking at this. It says, and he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. And he's talking about those who were far off were the Gentiles. That's us. That's the church right here. Not only were we literally far off because we weren't God's chosen people, but we were also far off distance-wise. We're not in the first century world in which they live. Like, we're far away from time and space but he's saying it's, we preach those far off and then those who are near, those are God's chosen people, the Jewish people. And then he says in verse 18, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father. Again, we're united. The division is gone. So then verse 19, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So he's saying, listen, church, You're the household of God. He's not talking about buildings. He's talking about people and the cornerstone being Christ himself who holds the church together. And the foundation of the household of God is all those people who've gone before us. Those from the Old Testament to the New Testament, those that witnessed Christ died and buried and rose again, and even the forefathers who built the Christian faith To what we see it is today. We're connected to the household of God, to those that have gone before us, Christ being the one who holds it all together. So that's this picture of this household of God built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So temple, we don't use that word a lot, but again, in the first century, they knew the temple and the significant thing that Paul had said that we talked about last week is that there was that dividing wall that existed, the holy of holies, from just the holy place. And then even the temple courts was separated from the Gentiles, and the Gentiles were in the outer courtyard. And he's saying, listen, the whole temple structure has been changed. It's now not a building that you look to. It's not a place that you go. It's the people of God. So this imagery is so important because he's saying it's not a place It's not a place you check into. It's not a place that you frequent. You are it. You are the place where he dwells. And Paul wants us to understand this and grasp this. And then verse 22, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Think about the imagery of what he's saying is people coming together right here and right now is a place where God wants to work and dwell and be. The gathering of God's people invites him to do something unique. And then Paul shifts into chapter three, and he keeps talking about this word that keeps coming up in Ephesians, the mystery. And Paul keeps talking about this mystery. And the mystery is how could the Jews and Gentiles who've been so divided from the pagan world, the Gentiles, to the Jewish world, God's chosen people, how can this division that's existed since the beginning of time from God's people to all those who worship false gods and idols and wanted nothing to do with the one true God. How could they ever be unified? And Paul is basically pointing out what all of the Christians are existing. They're like, yeah, that's the whole point. We don't know. We're confused. We don't know how this church is going to work because we have people in the Gentile world world who've decided to follow Christ, and then we have his Jewish followers that have known him and seen him, and they're following him, but the two of us, we don't mix. The two of us, we don't work together. And so what Paul is saying is like, I I get it, it's a mystery, but you still don't understand. You're thinking in terms of a location in which you dwell. You're thinking of a place in which you can go or you can't go. You're thinking of the law. You're thinking of the rules. And what you're not thinking of is being the people of God where he works, and he's saying it's a mystery. You can't understand. It's a mystery that, that seems foreign because all you think of is division. And I think that's true for us today. Have you ever come to a place, even a church, and you look around and you're like, who looks like me? You ever thought that? Or even more point is, who doesn't look like me? And you ever been somewhere and you don't fit in? It, it's we, we always want to fit in. And oftentimes, it's by external things that we see who looks like me or doesn't, who thinks like me or doesn't, who's the same age as me or not. And what Paul is saying is everything that you've ever thought of, of what unites you with somebody, everything that you thought of that that really brings unity is actually nothing to do with what you see externally. It's all to do with the fact that you follow Christ. Christ is our peace. Peace. Christ joins us together. Christ is our is our purpose. And there's no other unity. And there's no other thing that can happen outside the church that can match the purposes that God has within the church. Because we're a people being joined together as this living temple where God wants to do his work. So if I seem a little excited today, it's because nothing can compare to what Paul is trying to get us to understand. There's no greater movement that you can be a part of. There's no greater group than you can commit to. And there's no other experience that you can have that could compare to the work that God wants to do in your life through the church. Aren't you the pastor? Yeah, and that's why I say it with such confidence. Because I'm giving my life to this because it's real. Because God wants to do something here and now in Ridgeview Church. And so we're going to dig into what that is. So, Ephesians chapter 3, you'll see it now on verse 8. And Paul describes more of his mission. And he says this To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Again, he's talking about this mystery that's hard to understand. He's saying, Listen, listen God's given me this mission, and I'm going to preach the unsearchable riches. So many riches. What are the riches? The hope. What are the riches? The grace. What are the riches? The peace of Christ. God's given me this to expend to the entire world. And did it happen? Yes. Why do I know? Because we're here. It happened. God gave him this purpose to spread the unsearchable riches of which we have seen. And then he says in verse 9, and to bring light. For everyone what is the plan of all the mystery of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things verse 10 so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God may now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places verse 11 this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him so i ask you not to lose over lose heart over what i am suffering for you which is the glory so what he's saying is is i I'm suffering, why was Paul suffering? He's in prison as he's writing this. So he's talking about this purpose that he has, which has cost him his earthly freedom. And he says, the mystery of what is happening that we can't quite understand of God's work among us with normal people, sinful people, the work that God's doing among, amongst us is a mystery that we can't even fathom it. But the freedom that, that it's cost me on this earth cannot compare to the freedom that I get to share with people who experience it forever. So he's saying, don't lose heart over the suffering because there's people that are freed from Christ and get his grace and his hope and his peace. And it's changed their lives, not only now, but forever. He's like, let's raise the stakes. Let's raise our eyes. Let's see what's really going on. This is powerful stuff. He's saying, church, like, pay attention, and then he's just saying that there's this eternal plan that God has for your life. I don't know about you. It's like I sometimes I'm just I'm just trying to get through a Monday that's coming tomorrow. I'm just trying to get through the job of the grind of what I experience and the challenges of family life and trying to hold it all together. I'm trying to figure out how to stay on top of my responsibilities. How to be faithful It's like I can be overwhelmed with just the day-to-day. What Paul is saying is, did you know that God has an eternal plan for you, that he decided what your life would be and what it would look like? And if you join him in it, you can see it come to fruition. There's a sense of like, God has a plan for you, and we miss it. And not only that, but he's saying is, there's this work that he wants to do within the church that he's seen from the beginning of time that would happen at Ridgeview in this community, to make a difference in this world. From eternity's view, God has seen this. Even that is like a mystery you can't quite understand. But Paul's like, raise your raise your sights. He has a plan for our gatherings. He has a work that he wants to do, and it's bringing together people just like yourself. So, so take a moment, real quick. Just just look around. And you could smile. You know, look around, smile. No, you know, do that. Don't don't be afraid. It's like the old school greeting. You're just doing it with smile. So if I'm correct, God knew that you'd be sitting here on August 28th at 1039 in the very seat that you're sitting next to the people that you're sitting by. He knew that from the beginning of time that you would be there. Does he have a purpose in you being here at that time in that seat? What Paul's saying is, you betcha. Well, not really. That was a little Wisconsin. I don't know if Paul would say that. But yes, he knew you would be there. He knew I'd be here. That's pretty amazing. but We don't think like that because life is the grind that we just live and we just go through. And Paul's saying is, listen, there's something far greater that God wants to do that you don't even know about. He's saying it's like it's it's our role, it's our opportunity to to pay attention. And in my own words, in verse 12, what you could see, I think I highlighted that if you go to the next slide. He's saying, listen, if this is true, that he has an eternal plan, he's saying in verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. He's like, listen, if that dividing wall has been torn, if we have access to God and we could be unified as a group, and we can experience grace and be forgiven and move past shame, if we can have purpose for our life beyond just the grind, then he's saying you should have a boldness to live your life and a confidence that you can't find anywhere else. You're going to have true success, but it's not success according to the world's standards. It's success in the purposes of God. You're going to live the best life you could ever live because you're doing and living it God's way. We all want, verse 12, we want boldness, like a confidence. We all want to experience that. And Paul's saying, well, listen, look back at the treasure chest. Look at all you've been given. You can have that, but you have to look, and you have to draw it from Christ. And so, in my own words, this is what I came up with. Next slide. It says, in Christ, we have been given hope, grace, and peace, and now we have purpose, Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 3 and beyond this it means this instead of despair uh, we can have hope instead of shame uh, we we have grace and then instead of division we we have peace so paul is bringing everything he's talked about so far in the book of ephesians and saying don't forget don't forget don't good job don't forget Why would he say that? Because we forget. And so he just keeps coming to this point. Listen, this is this mystery, that God wants to do this work in the church, and it's real, and it's happening, and you can be a part of it. And then I want to go to the the passage where I'm going to spend most of our time this morning. And this is probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And it's a prayer right in the middle of Ephesians that Paul prays. And it's bridging the first part, why we have hope, to the second part, how we can live that hope out. And that's how Ephesians is broken up. Ephesians chapter one through three is why we can dig deep and stand strong. And then Ephesians four through six, how we can do that. But in the middle of those kind of division of thought in this book that he writes to us, to the church, through the Holy Spirit, God's inspired word and truth for us, he has a prayer. And this prayer, I think, is, is probably one of the first times I remember, I think I was in 10th grade in high school, about 27 years ago. I think it was about 1995. And I read this scripture, and it was one of the first times in my life where I read something that moved me you know, most of the time I grew up in school, and you have, like, required reading. You know, it's like, read some book that you don't understand and write a paper that you don't know what you're saying. That was a terrible plug of schooling and my own <laughs> education. That didn't, wasn't always the case, but that did happen frequently. People were like, okay, Alex won't tutor my kids. Um, but, you know, if it, but it didn't move me a lot. And then I read this, this passage, and you'll see it on the screen. It's Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. And then he says, Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, so everything I've talked about, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you... And you is y'all, you all, y'all, that you all being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. When I read that in 10th grade in 1995, I was inspired I had a vision for my life that was beyond just the pursuit of cool, which had been the center of it. I had a vision for my life just beyond a career that I was told to get at the college to go to. In 1995, with this scripture, I had a sense that there was something far bigger that God was wanting to do in the world that, that I knew about and in my life that I knew about. And it began to stir in me this sense of, like, I, I, I want to be a part of what God's doing in this world, in my lifetime, and along the way, I, I lost sight of that, and I pursued my own interests and I did my own thing. But by the grace of God, and by the hope that He gives, and by the peace, many years later, God got my attention again and reconnected to this purpose that he has. And I just want to tell you, it's never too late for you to join in with the purposes of God. You're not too far gone. You're not too much of a sinner. You're not too new to understanding Scripture. If you have breath that God gave you, he will use you if you let him. So what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about our prayers for a church this year, and then I want to share some specific initiatives for us. If this is about purpose, what what does this mean for the purpose for, for our church? Everything we've talked about, this grace, what does this mean for us as a church, to be a church filled with grace and and, and peace and and hope? What does that mean for us? And so pulling out what, what Paul prayer, uh, prayed, this is our prayer. And at the end of the service, we're going to have people from our church, five people who are going to pray this for our church for this year. And Paul says, listen, I bow my knees and pray this, that you will know strength and power, Christ, that Christ will dwell in our hearts, that we rooted and know his love, that we filled with the fullness of God and then for God's will to be done in our church. And these prayers is for a certain end, And the certain end is found in verse 21, which is for God to be glorified and magnified. So the purpose for which we were made, ultimately, is to glorify God, is to make Him the biggest pursuit and the biggest thing in your life, just like you magnify something. The focus is on Him, and in comparison, nothing compares. And what Paul is saying is part of that mystery for the glory of God is that we have the opportunity to bring people who are cut off from experiencing God, that are cut off from the light, that are cut off from the unsearchable riches. What he talked about, the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, what he's saying is we have an opportunity to glorify God forever and to bring people to discover that same purpose. And his prayer back then is our prayer right now. It doesn't change. The purpose remains the same. And that's a part of our mission. Our mission, if you don't know it, is inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. We want to invite people to experience the treasures that we've talked about so far in this book of Ephesians, for them to experience grace and forgiveness, hope. They can live for something bigger than themselves, for them to experience peace and purpose. And when people connect to this, this treasure, it's refreshing. For the first time in their life, they're not living out of scarcity. They're living out of abundance. That's what Jesus says. I've come that they have life, and life too, it's full. That's what Paul's saying is, yes, in Christ, you experience that refreshment of life. And that's why we exist as a church. So what I want to talk about is, is what this means for us practically. Because the key is always to be filled with the knowledge of God and then to live differently. You're filled with him to live a different life, not just to be full, but to extend that out, to put it into practice. And so I want to share with you kind of like our three uh prong rooted initiative for this year. And here's uh, the the initial slide for that, if you could put that up. Um, It's for us to dig deep, to draw wide, and to stand strong. Um, If you're an artist type, you may look at this image and you could draw some from it. If you're not an artist type, you're like, I think there's a tree in there somewhere. Um, There's roots here, and you'll see that those roots uh, that appear... Beyond it, the, the words there are, are wide and they, they are deep. They're not shallow. And they're wide, uh, which furthers its strength and its reach. And the wider the roots and the deeper they go, the stronger the tree. And you look at the tree, you can't see uh, the fullness of it, but you can see the trunk. And you can see the base of its width and how the branches spread out from that. And so that that imagery represents that like three-prong roots that we want to to dig deep, to draw wide, and to stand strong. Specifically, our initiative for this year is to uh, dig deep, join a community group, draw wide the launch of two services, and then stand strong, choose faith over fear in the middle of change. I keep talking about this year, and some of you are like, this is kind of weird because the year is feeling like it's almost over. Uh, in church world, our year actually starts kind of in August. It's kind of like a school in terms of our uh, momentum, opportunity. Fiscally, it's like a calendar year. But opportunity, really things pick up again in church life in August. And you may thought, that's right, because I wasn't here as much in the summer, but I'm here now, and that's because of that. And so our calendar year is really like August to about May. That's where there's really the most momentum that we can build as a church, the most opportunity we have to reach people. They're the most open most of the time for church. It follows a lot of like what a school year is, and that I think is connected. So when I talk about year, that's why I'm talking about like right now. But some shifts that we've made, and I'm gonna dig into this. If, if you have your, your listening guide, it would actually be helpful for you to look. Each week, we have like a paper sheet where you can follow along. I don't know if you knew that. But if you open up, uh, there's some specifics in there that's helpful for you, just for your own reference. Um, so I encourage you, you could pull that out and you can uh, use that. Uh, but I wanna look at each of these, dig deep, draw wide, and stand strong, so that you can know where we're headed as a church. If we're talking about our purpose, and you're a part of Ridgeview, or you're investigating Ridgeview, and you're investigating Christ, and you're not sure kind of where all these things fit, I hope today we'll give some clarity. This is where we're headed, and we want you to join with us. This isn't just to inform you of a club that you can't be a part of. It's to inform you so that you can decide whether this is what you want to give yourself to as well. Because what Paul's saying is you coming to a building on a day is not the church. It's a part of it. But you being part of the living household and temple of God, that's the church. And so this is our way of saying, like, as a church, how do we make the most of the purposes God has for us and for this moment? So I want to talk a little bit of the first of of digging deep. And Sam mentioned uh, groups that we're launching And if you've signed up for a group, you've already started our rooted initiative and you didn't even know it. And there's some of you that are like, you're not sure. And what Sam said is like, it is a a sacrifice of time. What groups represent is an opportunity for you to make a choice of what's the most important, like there's values in your life. I don't know if you knew, but every choice you make represents your values, what you say yes to, what you say no to. When you say yes to a group, you're saying there's all sorts of other things I could do There's also other things that we can commit to, but I want to make a priority to this church and this community of people. Your commitments reveal your values. That's true of all of us. Now, your week may be full and you can't do it. And you just, it's impossible. But for some, it maybe you can't do it because your values have never shifted to do it. That makes sense. And so what I want to encourage you to do is consider... How could you being involved and dig deep with a group of people where they know you and they love you and they want to help you and serve you and you want to do the same thing with them, how could that make a difference in your life? Because what Paul is saying is there's an eternal plan for the household of God that you can be a part of, but it's going to take a commitment. It's going to take a sacrifice. You can't just experience it without living differently. And so we've made a shift in our groups. Uh, we've always had short-term groups. The reason is we wanted to make groups as accessible to everyone. But what we found with short-term groups is that trust is just getting built in the group, and then we end the group. And so the, the momentum we have relationally is kind of short-circuited, because then we stop the group, and then we relaunch. And so I decided this year, the best thing that we need to do for groups is how can we actually create groups that will allow people to really dig deep together, build trust, grow together, learn God's word together, live out the scriptures together. And what you you have to just come to the realization is it takes time. How many of you would say, like, it takes a while for you to warm up to people? Yeah. It just, it takes time. And so our groups are a way of, like, let's let's commit, to a group of people. What what you'll find is it's very hard the bigger the church gets. And I, I pray God will grow our church to whatever size he decides. From eternity's vantage point that he thought we should be, we want to be that. I don't know what that is. But what you find is the bigger the church grows, the less you experience community. If you want to experience community, you get bigger by going smaller. And that's why we have groups. Some of us, it's like we love getting lost in the group because we don't really want to be known. And that may be where you're at. And and that's okay. You're welcome here. Like, stay there and keep taking steps. If you really want to develop relationships, you have to get outside of a big group and get known in a small one. So that's our initiative just to launch kind of from short-term to long-term. Uh, go to the next point there, if you could, and just actually put them all up there. So the action step with Ridgeview is join a community group, and then my personal action step. So for this, like these initiatives, dig deep, draw wide, stand strong. There's some things that we're doing as a church, and then there's things that you can do yourself. This is our way of taking what is God's plan for us as a church and, and like put it into practice. So the action step with Ridgeview is join a community group if you haven't. And Then my personal action step is spend time with God in prayer and the scriptures, three to five times a week. So there's no way you can dig deep in your walk with God unless you're spending time reading the scriptures. Me reading a scripture to you and you listening can't replace you reading the scriptures yourself. That's actually one of the most beautiful things of what God did through Christ. The access to him is direct. You don't have to have anyone read and tell you what the scriptures say. You can read it for yourself. He'll speak to you directly. But he can't speak to you unless you read his word. Those two go hand in hand. If you want God to speak to you, open the Bible, and he will. And then pray, communicate with him. Tell him what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your life, what's weighing you down, the struggles you're experiencing. Praise him for who he is. Recognize your place before him. And so just personal discipline is what allows you to dig deep in your own walk with God. And then another thing is just take initiative with a per- person from church one time a month. One thing I, I thought today, this was my own action step. I can't remember the last time I had lunch with somebody after church. I, you know, I've got different meetings going on. I'm staying late doing different things. But you know what? I was like, I need, to, I need to change that. I need to get lunch sometime with people. But you know, you don't get lunch with people unless people are thinking about that and inviting. And we have a lot of people that serve here at Ridgeview, and sometimes it's like, you want to get lunch like a linner? You want to go at two? You're like, oh, I'm kind of tired, you know. <laughs> Dig deep with people, it takes sacrifice. But I thought to myself, it's like, I need to figure out how to get lunch with people like after church, and you could do that too. You could take initiative, get coffee, but dig deep with people, spend some time with them. Dig deep with God, spend time with him. Does that make sense? Dig deep. Second, uh, Draw Wide. Draw Wide is the launch of our two services that we're planning for October 2nd, 2022. Now, this represents the biggest change that we've ever experienced here at Ridgeview. We've only had... One service, ever. And so what we need to do is we need to expand, not for our own sake, but for the mission. What Paul is talking about is to share the unsearchable riches with those who don't know Christ, to share the light with people that don't know it. What he's thinking is is drawing wide, sharing it so that it will be spread. And for us as a church, one of the things you'll experience if you're new and you come in, and you come into a building like this, and there's chairs right in the middle. Everyone loves to sit at the end. You ever notice that? Some of you are like, oh, dear, that's me. You ever come late to church, or you're new to church, and you're like, I'm going to have to climb over six people I've never met just to get a chair. It's so awkward. Excuse me, pardon me. let you know. What it com- can communicate is if there's not room is like people weren't planning on me being here. But think about the implications of what Paul's saying. God had a plan for that person to be here from eternity's vantage point. And we need to do all we can to make sure that when God is working in someone's life, us as a church, we're taking care of that responsibility. And one of the biggest things we need to do is we need to make room for people. And as a church, usually you, you kind of hit up to the 70% rule. Once you're 70% full, you're too full for new people. For everyone who knows each other, it's like, this is awesome. shows haven't seen them. Other people are like, dude, that was a little too close. I felt a little too stuffy. And so you, 70% full. Like we, We've been running at that uh, many weeks. And that's also in the kids' space, which we've been running in certain classrooms over that. This is a great issue for us to have. That represents growth. That represents God's purposes that we can see with our own eyes because He's bringing people to our church. But this will take a great amount of sacrifice to draw wide. Think of the work that you have to do to to plant something, and you have to, you know, clean the, the soil and get rid of the rocks and make sure those roots are getting there so it can grow and expand. And it's the same with our church. For us to grow, we have to keep shifting. We have to keep sifting. We have to keep working together so we can draw wide, so that we can include more people. We do not exist for ourselves. We exist for those who don't know him. So they can experience the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so for us as a church, October 2nd, the way I try to remember this is 2-2-22, which the more I did that, I was like, that really doesn't, because you're like, is that February 2nd of last year? Like, it really can get confusing. But two services, 2nd of October of 2022. I, I said, I shouldn't even share that. It doesn't even make sense. It's like carry the one, divide by two, <laughs> multiply, and then you get two, 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 you know. Don't try to like, that's the one thing you're gonna remember. Two, two, twenty-two. 22, what does it say? I don't know. We've launched something in the past we can't even see. But anyways, that's my own way. Use it if you want. So launch two services, services at 9 a.m. and 10.30. What that means is if you come at 10, like normal, you get a little bit of a double feature, but you miss most of each, okay? Uh, Third there, put it up there, please. Just put them all. Action step with Ridgeview, team up and serve. My personal action step, invite a friend or neighbor uh, to our two-service launch. Is there one more? And then invite somebody over for dinner. If you could go back to the slide before that. Thanks, guys. These guys are just following my lead here. But action step with Ridgeview, uh, team up and serve. This one right here. Uh, We have so many volunteers that make Ridgeview happen. Uh, We're a portable church. As you know, this is not our community center. It's not Ridgeview Community Center. It's Jesse Turner. It belongs to the city of Fontana. Every week we have volunteers that come. We pull a truck in at 7.30 that has all of our stuff. And we have a crew who unload it and bring it in. We have another crew that come and help unpack it. And they set it all up. And they set up the kids' classrooms. And they set up all the AV equipment. And even like today, when TV blows up and it's stressful, these team of volunteers work together to make it happen so that you can experience being a part of this household of God. We have 67 volunteers that make it happen every week, give or take at Ridgeview. And there's people that you don't even know what they do. You've never seen it. So part of us drawing wide is we're asking God to raise up more volunteers. And so what Sam mentioned about the next step table, if if you're not currently serving, I encourage you to serve. Team up with us and serve. If you are currently serving, God bless you. Will you please continue to team up and surf? So, for those of you that are in, stay. For those of you that are not, you're welcome here. But why do we do that? We don't do it so so we can add a service, it's more work. But think about a life that could be changed because room was made for somebody who wants hope, who wants peace who longs for grace. That's why we draw wide. And then those personal action steps, invite a friend or neighbor. We want to make room for people and then we want to invite them. There's no point to make room for people we don't invite. We make room so we can invite. And there's people in your life that I'll never meet unless you invite them to church. I don't know the people that you know. But God's placed you from eternity's vantage point, where you live, with the neighbors that you have, in the job that you are, with the family he gave you, so you can be a part of being a light in the darkness, specific to you. That's how you draw wide. So there's opportunity on October 2nd. We're gonna launch our two services and we're gonna expect God to work as we make room for people and cinnamon rolls. (laughs) You're here for our grand opening. We're just going to keep the good times rolling. Sweet Dough Cafe. So some of you are like, I'm here. I wasn't, but now I'm coming. Let's draw wide. And then the last is to stand strong. Choose faith over fear in the middle of change. This is connected to us as a church. Change is very difficult in a church. Some of you here because you love Ridgeview, and you love the experience that you've had. And we love that you love Ridgeview. But part of what begins to happen when you change is the Ridgeview that you've experienced and loved doesn't look exactly like it did. And so there's a struggle there. So as a church, like, we're going to experience change. Even a long-term group is a change to dig deep to launch two services is a change. It won't be the same structurally, but we're still the same people of God. And now there's opportunities to get to know even more people that come to the service that you're in so you can engage with them. There's opportunity to invite more people so you can really get to know them. So all of this is part of the purposes of God. But we need to choose faith because we don't know how it's gonna work out. Full disclosure, we could launch two services and it could be the worst decision I've made as your pastor. It's totally a possibility. It could totally bomb. And I'd stand up here and i say, hey, you remember that time in August when I said it could be the worst decision I've ever made? It was. Let's pray together. That could happen. I don't know where that accent came from, but I'm all over the place. But you do it in faith. Like, we don't know how it's gonna work out. We trust God. God, with the scriptures that you've given us, God, with the people you've given us, with the opportunities you've given us, with the facility you've given us, with the people serving that you've given us, we wanna make the most of the opportunity to dig deep, and to draw wide. God, we ask that you'll help us to stand strong. And most of the time, it's a matter of faith. You make room and you change oftentimes before you know the outcome. You have to make room for people and you have to make room for growth before you know where the growth is going to come from. You have to prepare for it before you realize it. That's a lot of what faith is. So choose faith over fear in the middle of change. Uh, Your action step with Ridgeview is pray for Ridgeview Weekly through the fall. So if you could, if you consider Ridgeview your church, if you want to be a part of what we're doing, whether you've been here one week or from the beginning of our existence, could you pray for us as we embark on being rooted together? And then... Personal action step. Share a fear with a Ridgeview friend and pray together. So this is more for you. Are you dealing with your own fears in your own life related to what you're facing? The enemy wants to magnify your fear so you don't magnify God. And some of the time you just need help. Like I'm really struggling in this area with this issue and I need help. The fear is just raging within me. And so you you may need to be humble and honest and open up. That's one of our values, being open and honest with others. Many do that with a fear that you, you face. But I, I encourage you to do that. Because God can really, God can really help you. I want to end by just encouraging you to think through some next steps. We do next steps every week. If you have the, the handout, um, you'll you'll see that on there. And there's just three. If you could put them all up there, I will dig deep by, I will draw wide by, I will stand strong buy. And digging deep, there were some personal action steps. You have your listening guide you can look at, and then there were some steps you could take with Ridgeview. The same with drawing wide, inviting somebody to the service, inviting somebody for lunch, taking initiative with somebody that's unchurched, that doesn't know Christ. And then stand strong, praying for Ridgeview Weekly, sharing a fear I have with others. So what I want to do is give you lots of options. But I just encourage you, just think through this, and we're going to come back to this. But I want to front load you with options so you can begin to think, how does God want me to handle my own life in root of where we're headed as a church? And then how does our family be rooted together as we head to this direction as a church? And then what does this mean for my role within the church? I believe God is going to do something this year according to Ephesians chapter 3, verses twenty through 21, beyond what we could even imagine. And what we could even imagine is that he will work. He will do something. And we don't know what it is. But it will be beyond what we could do ourselves. And I just want to end with this. I love our church. I love all of you. And I love what God is doing. There's no other place on the face of the earth I'd rather be than right here. The reason I say that is it is a privilege to be your pastor and to be a part of God's eternal plan that he had from the beginning of time to bring us here to this moment where he's brought you here to do something So what I want to do is I want to invite, we're going to have a crew of the church uh, just pray. Five people are going to pray. You can put the prayer list back up there. I think it's up there. Um, Five are going to pray this as the band comes up. This represents our prayer as a church. And so I wanted to bring people from our church to pray this, and they're going to just pray uh, each aspect. Uh, This is Amanda Wheatley. This is Alex Stewart. This is Sandra Wilson, Carol Jackson, and Claire McCullough. Uh, They've all been here at different times. They all have different backgrounds and experiences, but they love Jesus, and they're a part of our church. And so they're going to pray each aspect of this prayer. So if you could, uh, just bow your heads as we close our time together in prayer. Dear Lord, we pray together that all of Ridgeview be open in heart and mind to experience your strength and power so that we may relate closer to you and your word. We ask, Father, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. We want to experience your presence. As individuals, we want to experience your presence when we gather together as a community. We want to experience your presence and your power. So we ask, Father, that you would dwell. Your Son, Jesus Christ, would dwell in our hearts through faith. Heavenly Father, help us to see your love, which is the greatest gift of all. May our church continue to grow as we stay rooted in your love first and then with us collectively. We ask that the Holy Spirit... Continue to guide us as we extend that love to others. Holy, gracious, and faithful God, give us a thirst for your word so that we may open our hearts to overflowing with your love and hope. Ground our intentions and grow our hearts in faith with your word so that we may know the gift of the fullness of your love and peace. Lord, we thank you for... All that you've done for Ridgeview Church, your church, and uh, we ask you to continue that blessing that you've given us. Lord, we know that you can do far more than we can think or even ask, and we ask for you to do that with Ridgeview Church. All blessing and glory be to you, Lord.